So today as we continue our series on unbelievable and talking about the fact that our God is uh, the God who owns unbelievable, right? He's able to do anything and everything. Today we're looking at miracles of protection. And it, uh, it dawned on me that the reason that our church even exists today is because of a miracle of protection. And uh, what happened was, is there's a guy named Martin Luther who would eventually become the founder of the Lutheran Church, which we're a part of, who was originally going to school to become a lawyer. And on his way home, he prayed uh, because there was a huge storm that was happening, thunder, lightning. He was scared, uh, scared to death. And so he prayed to God. He said, God, if you save me, I will become a priest. I'll go to school to become a priest, right? And uh, sure enough, God saved him. And here we are. So I thought it was interesting. And as we think about this, I think we've all kind of prayed those prayers, haven't we? Okay, not to become a priest, but otherwise you wouldn't be here right now. But we've all prayed those prayers where we kind of bargain with God, don't we? God, if you get me out of this, if you save me, if you get me through this drive safely, if you protect our house through this storm, uh, God, if you protect my kids here, uh, you know, I know I'll do anything. God, if you get me out of this ticket. Okay, that's a little different. <laughs> none of you, none of you have ever gotten pulled over, I know. Please. Uh, no. So we think about that. We've all been there. We've all prayed this sort of prayer. And uh, what I want you to do right now is I want you to think about what is that prayer, or what is that most common prayer for protection that you pray? And I want you to take a second right now, and you have a neighbor next to you. I'm going to give you a chance to talk now, so it gets out of your system. No. And I want you to share with your neighbor right now. I want you to share what's your most common prayer for protection, right? What is that prayer for you? Is it when you're driving? Is it, you know, for that ticket? Whatever it is, turn to them and share with them that right now. All right, great job. Thank you for sharing. You'll get to, hey, after church, you can always do this some more. There's coffee. You can go connect with them out after church as well. Uh, I, we've all prayed these prayers, right? We've all prayed these uh, prayers. Why? Because we know that our God is the owner of the unbelievable, right? He can do miracles. And our definition of miracles we've been working off of is that when God chooses to work outside the natural means he has put into place. Our God can do that. He can do that whenever and anytime he wants in any situation. That's why we reach out to him. Honestly, God wants us to, right? We, and here's the thing. Even, even if we pray and we say, hey, pray, pray, you know, God get me home safely or whatnot, it could be the natural thing of, you know, you're a good driver, you put on those all-weather tires, whatever it is. That's God still working in and through the natural. But we know that he's going to work in some way or another. That's why we pray, pray to him. That's why we reach out to him. It's also what he tells us to do, right? In Psalm 37, he tells us the salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their stronghold in the time of trouble. So he's telling us, hey, come to me in your time of trouble. When you're struggling, when you need protection, come to me. Uh, and so when I think back, um, I think uh, about probably eight months ago, I was driving my boys. Uh, we were going on a trip down to Miami, and it was me and my boys, three little boys, four the time three, five, and seven, and me, <laughs> driving from here to Miami. <laughs> if you're joining us online, you could go onto Google Maps right now and see how long of a journey that was. Um, 
honestly, the way down there was, it felt fine. They, they did a great job. They were excited about the trip. It was the way home that was another case, right? Because we got to get home. We, gotta ha we have an itinerary now. We have a schedule. We got to get home so they can get back to school. Oh, boy. That was fun, right? We had 14 hours scheduled to drive that first day. Yeah, that was terrible on my part, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> All of you right now are going, that is your fault, buddy. That is your fault. So we got towards the end of that, that drive that night. It had been a rough drive. They were fighting the whole time. They were getting at each other. And then, of course, it has the thunderstorm. And we're driving through North Carolina. And I don't know what's wrong with North Carolina, but they don't know how to drive. <laughs> no offense if you're watching from North Carolina. You don't know how to drive. No. And, and literally, I mean, we're driving through, and I'm, you know, white-knuckling her. I'm, I'm holding on that steering wheel, and I knew it was not going to be by my power or might that we were going to get to the hotel that night. I was struggling. I was losing it. And I know I was losing it because there was wrecks all over the place. There's wrecks all over the place. And I remember, uh, as my boys were in the back fighting, yelling at them and going, do you know why all those cars are on the side of the road right now? Because their kids were kept fighting. <laughs> not my proud most proud parenting moment. <laughs> but I knew, like, I am not going to make this on my mind. So when we got in the hotel, pulled into the hotel parking lot, I praised God, and I said, God, thank you, because I knew it was only by you. It was only by you. It was a, a miraculous thing that we got there that night. Made me start to think, though. See, God loves me. He loves you. He loves everyone, even those people on the side of the road that night. He loves us all the same. And so the question then is, if he loves me and he loves them. Why is it that he protected me? He answered my prayer that night, not theirs. Maybe for you, you can think back to a time, or maybe you're going through a time right now where you're going, yeah, God, God could have, but he didn't. What do you think? Has there ever been a time where you've been mad at God for what you know he could do, but he chose not to? I think we all have times like that in our life where we can think back, or like I said, maybe you're even walking through something right now, and we think, man, God, you could have stopped this. You could have protected me in this. You could have protected my loved ones in this, and yet you didn't. And honestly, that'll make us turn our back on God sometimes. That'll make us go, man, I don't know if you really love me like you say you do. You know, for me, as I pondered this idea, uh, this question of um, what's my most common prayer for protection, I really, I struggled with it this week. I couldn't figure it out because, you know, I thought, okay, is it the driving thing? What is it? I, I, realized, I realized over the last 18 hours what it is. My prayer, most common prayer for protection is God protect me from being overwhelmed. Now, as a single dad of three little boys who have been through the foster care system and whatnot, I have lots on my plate already, and I can just barely, barely keep my head above water some days with the normal of life. And so I, I realize my prayer all the time is God protect me from extra stuff because I'll drown. So the last 18 hours, uh, let's see, we had some appointments and things yesterday. We got home, and when we got home, uh, I realized very quickly that one of my cats had decided to go to the bathroom outside of the litter box somewhere. Well, see, the problem with that is not just that, it's that my robot vacuum cleaner that's supposed to help me <laughs> is automatically scheduled to clean the floor. And let's just call it this, I, I've called it uh, uh, Poop Mageddon 2019. There's the whole house. Whole. It's very efficient. It gets everywhere. <laughs> Those robots. So, so I'm in the middle of that. I got the boys outside swimming. You have a little kiddie pool. They're out there swimming and having a good time. Hopefully not killing each other. And I'm inside trying to mop everything. 
And just as, I, just as I'm starting to get towards the end, I hear the storm start to roll in. And I go, oh boy, got to get the boys in, get the boys in. And just as I get the boys in, power's out. Oh, man, that's not good. See, we live up in the sticks. No power means no well doesn't work, no water. My basement, probably going to flood because we get high water table. And my boys don't deal with things that are, you know, every kid struggles with the power being out. My kids, it's a trigger for them too. And so it's just one thing after another after another. I finally get them settled in for bed uh, last night thinking, okay, we survived. Uh, it's going to be hot as, you know, whatever in here, but it's going to be okay. And uh, we'll survive. And then around midnight, smoke detectors go off. Because the humidity in the air was too much and I can't tell the difference between smoke and humidity. I thought I had figured out open doors and about 1.30, smoke detectors went off. <laughs> God, I prayed for protection from this. I prayed for protection from this. So overwhelmed. Again, it was a trigger for them. It was just so much and eventually took the things off the wall, off the ceilings because they weren't going to work with the no air conditioning and just got to that place of going, man, God, man, I prayed for this. And he said, no. So here's the question that I've been pondering this whole week, and I think it's one that I want us to dive into a little bit today as we look at our story. It's, if we feel like God lets us down, we feel like he says no to us or he doesn't protect us when we pray, what drives us to keep going back to him and praying those prayers? What drives us to keep going back to him and saying, God, protect me? I know you didn't there, but maybe you'll do it here. And I want us to think about that today because as we dive into our story today, what we're going to see is we're going to see the truth is where we only see the problem. Our God knows the plan. And for me, I think that's, we can get so caught up in the problem, and I know, I mean, hey, I'm still in the middle of it. I'm not going to have power probably for another day or two. I'm in the middle of the problem, and that's all I can see. But the truth is God knows the plan. And so what we're going to look at today is we're going to look at a story where God said yes and said no to protecting his people. He did both within the same story. And so we're going to look at Acts chapter 16. It's in the chair Bibles in front of you on page 925. Uh, and again, as we say every week, if you don't have a Bible, that Bible that you're picking up in front of you right now, feel free to take that home with you. It's the best thing we could ever give you. Feel free to go. So you can always, always go on uh, your Bible app on your phone. If you're joining us on live stream, go to BibleGateway.com and type in Acts chapter 16, verses 16 to 35. And here we're going to take a look at two guys named uh, Paul and Silas. Paul and Silas, we've talked about Paul in the past. He's a very faithful follower of Jesus who, um, I mean, had a huge transformation himself and now is going around telling everybody about the good news of Jesus, planting churches and doing so much good work. And that's exactly what they're in the middle of doing here as we kind of catch part of their story, starting with verse 16. So here's what it says. As we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and us, crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. That's great news. It says, And this she kept doing for many days. Now Paul, catch this, having become greatly annoyed. Greatly annoyed. I want you to catch this. How often do we go, I'm not going to pray to God for this miracle because it's just not that big. Right? Paul is now going to cast out a demon because he's annoyed. He's annoyed, right? 
Not a huge deal. He's annoyed. He could have let it go. But instead, what does he do? Turn and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. And it points out that it came out that very hour because it actually tells us in Scripture that some spirits take longer and are harder to actually cast out than others. Uh, and so uh, it says, but when her owners saw that their hope of gain, because her divination was gone, her abilities, her, her powers were gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, these men are Jews, and they are disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. And the crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates tore the garments off of them and gave orders to beat them with rods. Now, can we just go back to the slide before real quick? Because I want you to catch this. What does it say they said? They said, these men are Jews. And they are disturbing our city. That's all they said. That's all that they said about them because no, they actually did nothing wrong. And then the next slide, what does it say? The crowd joined in and attacking them. They looked different. They didn't look like Roman citizens. They looked like Jews. And so they attacked them because of what they looked like. I'm just going to leave that there. And when they inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Now, having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. And it says that these kind of stocks were not just stocks to hold their feet in place. They actually could stretch them out to make them even more uncomfortable. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, because that's what I'd be doing. And the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke, he saw that the prison doors were open. He drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. He was going to kill himself because as the jailer, he would actually have to live out their sentences if they escaped. But Paul cried out with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. The jailer called for lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before, before Paul and Silas, and then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house, and he took them that same hour of the night and washed their wounds, and he was baptized at once, he and his whole family. Then he brought them up into his house and set food before them, and he rejoiced along with his entire household that he believed in God. But it was, when it was day, the magistrate sent the, the police saying, let those men go. I think this is an interesting story because we see very, at the very beginning the problem. Right? We see the problem happening. Paul and Silas are just doing God's work. They're going about telling people the good news of salvation, the good news of Jesus. They've done nothing wrong, and yet what happens? They get captured and beaten mercilessly. Why? For no reason other than they upset the owners of the slave girl. Right? They didn't deserve this. And here's the thing. Did God protect them from that? Nope. They ended up getting beaten and tortured and thrown in jail. Right? Thrown in the most uncomfortable, terrible situations they could have ever faced. And here's the thing. I think for us, if it was just us, if we were in that situation, it is so easy in our situations to just focus on the problem that that's all we can see. And the problems can come from a myriad of situations, right? For them, for them it came from others. For us, it can also come from nature. You know, hey, uh, there was a storm yesterday. That's why I don't have power. Sometimes even we can create our own issues and our own problems. 
But so often we get stuck in that place of only seeing the problem. What I love is even though God didn't say yes to saving them then, to rescuing them from their problem, we do see the plan at the end of it. At the end of it, we see how God used their problem, how God used the situation that they had gotten thrown into, their present circumstances for an eternal purpose. And let's be real. I want you to think about that. Not only was the jailer spared from killing himself, he and his entire family are now in eternity with Jesus because of what Paul and Silas went through. And I want you to get this. It's not like Paul and Silas were healed. It's not like all of their wounds and, and scars were taken away. They were still in pain. But I want to I think that the minute they saw that the jailer and the family were all saved, they saw the plan take effect, that just made everything else pale in comparison. It made all of the wounds, all of the tragedy, all of the struggles, the whole problem just pale in comparison. And see, this is why God doesn't do our bidding. He does what's best. Because if it was up to Paul and Silas, they would have never wanted to get hurt in the first place. But then when they saw the plan, I'm sure they would have never taken that back. Think about for your life and for mine, how often, if God would have done our bidding, would we be in a much worse place than we are today. And that's for some of you. Some of you prayed for protection of a relationship that God said no, and you look back and you go, thank you, God. Right? How many guys are like, oh, I'm so glad I ended up with her, or the girls, I'm so glad I ended up with him. Right? Don't look at the person next to you and say that. <laughs> we have a great counselor on staff. We can hook up with them. But think about it, even the job or the house that you thought you had to stay in or the situation that you thought had to be. And at the time, it seemed like such a problem, such a tragedy, such a trial. And yet now you can see the plan and you go, well, God did what was best. And I didn't see it at the time. Even when we look at the cross, I want you to think about the people that followed God for so many thousands of years. Guess what? If he would have done their bidding... Their bidding was that the Messiah would come and save them from their present circumstances. He would come and he would rescue them from their current trials and troubles only. If he would have done their bidding, guess what? You and I would not be saved today. Because he did what was best. Instead of just saving them from their present circumstances, he did something with an eternal purpose. He died on the cross and rose again so that they could have an eternal life, so that you and I could have an eternal life. See, God doesn't do our bidding. He does what is best. So the challenge, I think, with this story is that, honestly, both of these things are out of our hands, right? The problem, for the most part, it, well, especially for their part, but even for ours, it's out of our hands, right? Most times, we're not in control of what happens to us or the problems we face. The other side of it is we also aren't in charge of always knowing what the plan's going to be. And God doesn't always let us in, not even the day of or the, the next day or the next day. And sometimes it's years or decades until we look back and we go, oh, I see it. And so if we can't do anything about those two things, what can we do? I think there's something that we can learn about our perspective from this story. So there's one little verse in the middle of all this that, I mean, I made a joke about it's not what I would be doing, right? But it's what we could do that would make our situations a little bit different. See, in Acts 16, 25, about midnight, Paul and Silas, when they were in the middle of their problem, in the middle of their struggles, in the middle of their pain, we're praying and singing hymns to God. I think it's very easy for us to kind of put that uh, in the order of the problem perspective 
and the plan and just think that it's somehow tied in, right? It's just the, the order of things. Well, God allowed the problem so that they would praise him. That's not what happened, right? The problem was going to happen whether they were going to praise him or not. And then we think, well, he pra- they praised him, and that's why God had the plan, and God did something good with it. That's not it, because why? Even when there, was, when there was first a problem, God already knew the plan. So whether Paul and Silas praised him or not, whether they took time to worship him or not, God already had the plan of saving the jailer and his family. So, so this idea of having a different perspective was something that Paul and Silas just chose to do. They chose because they needed in the midst of that to remember that their God is good even when it didn't feel like he was. They needed to remember those times of the past, those times in history, those times in their scriptures where they could remember that even when it didn't look like God had a plan, God had a plan. And so they worshiped and they prayed to him. It's why I'm grateful today in the midst of all the craziness that I have Honestly, if I didn't work here, if I didn't have to come up and preach to you today, it would have been so easy to go, you know what, boys, we're skipping church tomorrow because there's so much going on. And yet without this, without this opportunity, my perspective wouldn't get shifted back to, oh, yeah, even in the midst of my problem, God is good. Even in the midst of the chaos, God was always good in the past, and so I know he's going to be good today. So as we read God's word, as we sing together, guess what it does? It reminds me over and over and over that my perspective cannot be on the problem. It's got to be on that God was always good, and he's going to always be good. See, what it does to our perspective is it shifts us. It shifts us from this idea of just trusting God to do our bidding to instead, if we're going to trust God for his power, to use his power in our life, then we must also trust God when he chooses to use it or not, right? We're either going to choose God or we're not. And if we go back to our, for our question earlier, right, why do we keep going back to God even if it looks like he's let us down in the past? Why do we keep doing that? Because, folks, he's the only game in town. He's the only one that can actually do the miracles that we're praying for. He's the only one that can actually follow through and protect you. And so even when he says no, guess what? You're still going to go back to him because he's still the only one that can. And so over and over again, we get our perspective shifted back to, oh, wait. Oh, wait. I can either run from God. I can either turn my back on God. Or I can realize that God has a plan and a purpose for this. And I can shift my perspective from focusing on the problem to just praising my God. And what I love is not only does God leave us there, so often he allows us to see the plan and we can look back and we can see the plan. And so then God also then calls us to then share our stories. To share our stories. Because that's what I think about when I look at this picture here. That's me in the middle there. I know, I was so cute. (laughs) What happened? I don't know. And I was smiling there and I look happy, but I remember those years. I remember going to school and getting picked on. I remember coming home and getting picked on. I remember not feeling safe at school. I remember not feeling safe at home. I remember just going through time after time after time and just struggling and wondering what the point all was. And I think back and I think now, I can see it now that I'm removed and I can go, man, through that it gave me perspective and it gave me hope and it gave me the ability to understand what a difficult childhood might be. It gave me the compassion and the understanding to be able to look at my three boys who've been through the foster care system and go, I can relate. Not fully, but I can relate. And so all we see is the problem. Our God sees the plan. 
And we're able to use that situation, we're able to use that story to have influence on someone else's story. That's why this year we keep hammering this idea home that we own our influence from God to us to others. Why? Because it is not enough to just go through a problem and then turn your back on God. No, see, our God says, I'm here and I'm going to walk with you. And the good news is when you let me work in your life, when you let me show you just a glimpse of what's happening, I'm going to give you a story. And here, folks, our stories create opportunities beyond today beyond the problem, beyond what we're facing, beyond what's happening right now. And I want to challenge you to think about those stories and to be able to share those stories with others. And here's why. Because often our ignorance of God's plan drives us to ignore God. And many of the folks that are around you, many of the people that are in your lives right now are running from God or trying to ignore God because they're ignorant of his plan and they just have no idea that there's not just the problem, he knows the plan. They don't know that. And so where are they going to hear that from? They're going to hear that from you, from your stories, as you process and as you think about what God has done and accomplished in and through your life. And so as you do that, as you think back, I want to challenge you today with creating your own story, right? There's, there's actually room on your outline so you can just start writing stuff down to answer some of these questions, right? Think about what are the problems that you have faced or you're facing right now? What are those things that it would be so easy just to be engulfed by and to be focused on? And what can you do and what have you done to keep your perspective on the bigger picture? Why is it coming to church? Is it making sure that you're here? Is it reading God's word? Is it getting prayed for and prayed over? Is it connecting with a small group in a real and a powerful way and sharing with them what's going on so they can continue to remind you of the goodness of our God? Where do you see God's plan already working through your experience? Where do you see him already at work? And maybe it's something in the past and you can point to it. Or maybe you're at a point right now and you go, you know what? I'm at the point and all I can say is, God, I know you answered my prayer for protection and I don't know why, but I know it's going to be for good. Or maybe you're at a place, you're going, God, you didn't answer my prayer for protection. And I don't know why, but I know it's going to be for good. I want to challenge you with, then, who are you going to tell your story to? I want you to think about it right now. Who is it in your life that needs to hear your story, who needs to hear about the plan that God has in your life so that maybe, just maybe, their minds might be open, their hearts might be open, their perspective might be open to the plan that God has for their life? Is it a family member? Maybe you're going to share your story for the first time with your family or a close friend, or maybe there's a coworker at work that you just know if you could finally open up your mouth and share with them the plan that God had in your life, it would change their lives forever. Who is the jailer in the family in your life? Who is it that needs to know that even though you went through the problem, there was a plan, and even though they're going through a problem, there is a plan. Who is it that needs to know? I'm going to challenge you with that. Be ready to share that story. Know who it is you're going to go after and share that story so that it continues to perpetuate God's plan. So as we go today, here's what I want us to remember to do. We pray for his protection. And whether he says yes or no, we praise him for a bigger perspective that he is good even when it doesn't feel like he is. And that we trust his greater purpose knowing that even when all we see is a problem, he knows, knows the plan for your life and for mine. And then we go and we're ready to tell our stories for the sake of his purposes and his plans, so that more and more might know that our God is faithful and he is right there. And so as we answer that question, why do we continue to lean on God? Because God is still there to lean on. 
When you think about your life and you think about the problems, you may try to ignore him, you may try to run away from him, but he is still right there with you, running with you, chasing after you, knowing that in the end you're going to need him. And so why are we able to lean on him? Why are we able to turn back to him even when we feel like all has been lost in the past? Because he is still right here and right now with you to walk with you for whatever you might be facing in life. And even today, as we turn to communion, as we go to receive the body and the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, it is yet again Him standing with us in a real and a tangible way, saying, I'm here. And I don't know what you've been facing. I don't know what's been going on in your life. I don't know what is happening, but I know our God knows. And where you only see the problem, He knows the plan, and He is standing there right beside you right now today for you to lean on, And for him then to work his purposes and his plans out through you and your story. So what I ask us to do is I want to ask us to bow and to pray. And we're going to turn our concerns, our sins, everything that's on our hearts that's burdening us right now. We're going to turn them over to this God of ours who is right here, right now. Father God, we come to you. So grateful to God. You are a God who never leaves us. And even when we try to ignore you, we try to turn our back on you. God, we try to run away. You are so faithful. You're right there. And so when we're ready to lean, we lean right back on you. And God, allow us to lean right now in this time. God, as we leave a moment of silence, as we leave this time, God, I want want you to allow our brains and our hearts to bring up all those things that we need to give over to you. Those sins, those struggles, those places that we've messed up, our lives that we've met. We've been the reason that other people have had problems in their lives. God, I want you to Pull them out of us, God, and allow us to confess those to you in preparing our heart to receive even more of you. So God, now in this time, hear our confession.